Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. Now it is time once again for uh, one of my favorite stops of the week. Dr. Kevin Most, all things health. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Good morning to you, Dr. Most. Good morning, Dean. Isn't it fun saying all things health instead of all things COVID? Yeah, yeah, boy, that's for sure. Uh, (laughs) Although I I did want to just lightly touch on on COVID for just a second, uh, because not that we're over it, but, you know, certainly the worst of it is definitely over. Uh, I read something this week that Illinois now has surpassed 36,000 COVID deaths. Uh, Everybody was talking about how there could be a resurgence of it. Uh, when the holidays came through, people were all inside together uh, for the uh, you know the holiday season. Are we actually seeing that? Because it feels like things have kind of settled down a little bit. You know, from the uh, hospitalization point of view, we're still kind of just hanging in the same place. Uh, in the general public, down a little bit. Uh, certainly, we're seeing this XBB strain that we're concerned about in the Northeast headed this way. Uh, We're still at about 10% positivity for XBB, which is the strain that is much more contagious, but not so virulent. Um, But certainly it's over 50% for the rest of the country. So we expect it to be in the Midwest here shortly. But that's going to be more of an inconvenience. Uh, People who are immunized are going to do just fine with it. Um, But we're not out of the woods. And again, we're going to be living with this for quite some time. Yeah, people who are testing positive right now, are generally experiencing, you know, kind of flu-like symptoms, severe cold-like uh, symptoms. Very few are, are being hospitalized anymore, uh, all thanks to the immunizations, which people, you know, shouldn't uh, take this as uh, everything's over. I don't need to get immunized. People still do need to get immunized if they haven't already, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, you at least want to make sure you have your foundational immunizations because this XBB strain certainly contagious but not super virulent we don't know what the next strain is you know just a year ago we were dealing with omicron which you know really hit some people very hard and we saw death spike again that could easily happen so do whatever you can to protect yourself against any infectious disease is a good idea yeah absolutely so uh, you know as we speak in memphis tennessee at the graceland mansion a public memorial is going on for Lisa Marie Presley, it is thought that she suffered a cardiac arrest. Uh, her family with a history of cardiac problems, her dad, her, gra- her grandmother. Uh, so that's going on right now. We learned the cause of death for actor Leslie Jordan uh, this week while he was driving, apparently suffered a heart attack and, and died. Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel that maybe we don't pay enough attention to heart health. Yet it remains, if not the leading cause of death, certainly one of the the, uh, top causes of death in the U.S., right? Oh, absolutely. It is the leading cause of death. So we know that heart disease is number one. And, and, you know, you, you make a very good point that maybe we don't put enough into it, because if you really think about heart health, a lot of the damage done to our heart, I hate to use the word self-inflicted, but it's self-inflicted. It's having a sedentary lifestyle and not, you know, exercising your heart appropriately. It's the diet that we eat that causes a buildup of blockage in the arteries that causes heart attacks. So 
not treating hypertension, all the things that we really have control over with our heart. Certainly there's a bunch of genetic issues, but some of the things that we can control, we're not doing a very good job of. So how should uh, people, I mean, they they should do all those things. They should eat better. They should exercise. They should, uh, you know, watch, watch their stress, et cetera. What are some other red flags that there may be heart issues that uh, are, you know, maybe around the corner? Yeah, you know, probably a couple of the big things that people don't understand is that, let's say you could do a normal activity of walk around the block quickly and not be short of breath or not feel any discomfort or not feel tired. Anytime you start to do an activity that you used to be able to do easily and don't any, and can't do it anymore without it feeling a little bit stressful, that's a red flag. Shortness of breath for going up a flight of stairs where you didn't have that in the past, that's a red flag. And really any increase in weight, you know, if you see a dramatic increase in weight, that can be not only dietary, but it can also be that the body is retaining water because the heart is not pumping as effectively, and we get something called congestive heart failure. So certainly any of those signs, pitting, swelling of the ankles and the lower leg where you're retaining water, Again, all of those are signs that our pump, our heart, is not working as well as it should. Yeah, the problem of obesity in America is out of control, not just for adults, but also pediatric obesity, right? Well, Dean, it's you know interesting to bring that up because just recently, about a week and a half ago, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with new um, guidelines for how we're going to treat obesity in children dramatically changed from the last time they had a statement, which was 15 years ago. So now we're actually looking at actually using medication in children to treat obesity and actually even surgery in those over the age of 13 who have morbid obesity. So, and this is a problem. And we have, you know, 15, 20 million, you know, uh, children who suffer from obesity right now. So certainly when the American Academy of Pediatrics makes a dramatic change They still are encouraging lifestyle changes and dietary and exercise, but they're finding out that that is not working, and now they're starting to look towards medication and surgery. When when you say surgery for this, what are you talking about? The the kind where they reduce the size of the uh, the stomach? Was it called gastric bypass or something like that? Yeah, you know. So there's different kinds of of, uh, bariatric surgery that we do. You know, gastric bypass where we bypass portions. There's other sleeves where we make the stomach smaller. There's even some, you know, study going on with a balloon that's actually inflated in the stomach so that you feel full earlier so that you don't eat as much. So certainly a lot of different options out there. And no one's going to rush to surgery. They're going to make sure that they do all the psychological things for mental health. They check for any other endocrine problems, diabetes, thyroid illness. They make sure that you do all the other things as far as exercise and diet. So I don't want, you know, listeners to think, oh, you know, my 15-year-old is obese. I'm going to go have surgery. It's not like that at all. How safe is that surgery now? I've heard, for the most part, I've heard really good results. Uh, Tom Skilling uh, famously uh, you know, it was very open and, and talking about the surgery that he had, um, which he lost like 100 pounds, something like that, and it is looking, you know, better and better all the time. Uh, but for, for the most part, are, are those surgeries pretty safe for everyone? 
Yeah. Yeah. From a safety point of view, they're very safe. I mean, believe me, the American Academy of Pediatrics wouldn't be saying let's do the surgery on children if they weren't. Um, so really from a, a side effects and how we do complication rates, very low in these surgeries. And certainly done properly actually do have good outcomes. You know, I think Al Roker, you know, Tom Skilling, I believe you know, there's, there's many people who have had them. Yep. And certainly it's a lifestyle change because, boy, all of a sudden now I have more energy. My knees don't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. All those things that we don't even equate with obesity actually get better as well. Is, uh, is, it, is it possible that somebody could have that surgery but go back to their old eating habits and regain all of that weight? And how dangerous is that once you've altered the physical structure of your stomach? Yeah, you know, if you you certainly could because the stomach is a growing organ, right? So it can change and it can stretch, but for the most part, it's going to do fairly well. But certainly, people can still take in enough calories to continue to have problems with their weight. So it's not only having the surgery; it's also now making sure that those same individuals are educated as how to eat properly going forward. So. It's not as simple as, hey, you can have a surgery, all the pounds are going to fall off. No. You have a surgery, you eat appropriately, and then you're going to see changes. Yeah, I know uh, several friends of mine who have had this surgery, and, and Tom. I've, I've talked with uh, Tom about it. There was an education process before, uh, you know, they, they ever went to surgery. I mean, they, they had to make sure that their head was in the right place, that they were ready for something like this, and prepared for what... Uh, what kind of lifestyle changes that they would have to make for after the surgery. Absolutely. You know, the surgeons want to make sure that their surgery is successful. So you just kind of hit it right on the head. That individual has to be engaged to a point of what is the treatment going to be post-surgery? What are my diets going to be? So the, the, the individual comes in and says, hey, you know, I want to lose some pounds. You know, can you staple my stomach feel a little smaller? That is not going to fly with the physicians, obviously. So really making sure that they're in the right psychologic space, they're in the right metabolic space, and they're, they're ready for the future. And it's um, when we do it, it, it works well. It's a really a successful story for many patients. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and get to your questions for Dr. Kevin Most. 312-981-7200. On the telephone, 381-981-7200 to text. We'll be right back. A weekly visit with Dr. Kevin Most and your phone calls for him, 312-981-7200 to call or text. And uh, Jim, let's start off with you. Hi, you're on with Dr. Most on WGN. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, I'm headed to Florida at the end of March, is, is, and I had my last COVID vaccine and uh, the bivalence in September. Any reason I can't get number six before I go? <laughs> Jim, uh, yeah, you know, number six is probably not really, I shouldn't say it's probably not, it is not recommended at this time. Is there a reason you couldn't get it? No, but you're going to have a tough time finding someone who knows what your records are to give it because it's not uh, FDA approved and recommended. So does, does he need it? Certainly, does, uh, does he need it before no, he travels? No, no. I mean, he got it in September. He should he should still have coverage from that. But 
we all know the story, right? We've all heard. Boy, as we think about each time we come out with the vaccine, it's like, all right, wait, now there's another booster. There's another booster. So certainly I think everyone's ready for that shoe to fall. Yes. So this one Almost every six months. Right. But the interesting thing was the boosters in the past were not for the strains that were circulating. In other words, they were just to give you the basic COVID coverage. What we're seeing now is the booster is actually for the BA4, BA5, which is the strain that is circulating right now. So unless if we have a change in that, we probably will see a new vaccine, which will probably be in the fall. But you've already been vaccinated for the strain that's circulating right now. So no need to get that uh, uh, that additional booster. Jim, have fun in Florida. Thank you for the call. Stephen, you're on WGN. Well, hi, Dr. Most. I had a cold last week. Now I have a lingering cough and a wheezing sound in my body all night long when I sleep, which is why I was wondering what is wrong with me and what should I do? Hmm. But, well, you know, Stephen, it's interesting. The upper respiratory infections that are going around right now certainly probably started up in your head and sinuses. And if the cough is when you're lying down, it's very common for the cough to be the last symptom to go away. Reason being is that we still have inflammation. We still have drainage that drains back, and a cough is actually a defense mechanism, right? It's keeping stuff out of our lungs, keeping us from having just simple bronchitis versus pneumonia. Now, the wheezing is a little bit more concerning, and it's actually, if you hear wheezing, it certainly can be from inflammation and spasms. So speaking to your doctor may not be a bad idea to get an inhaler. We use those to relax the airways, which actually makes mm-hmm. your cough more effective. Um, but certainly it sounds like just having the end, you know, remnants of a bad upper respiratory infection, which is not uncommon. Yeah, it takes a long time. I know the, from the, the second time that I had COVID, I had a lingering uh, cough for a month or more. It finally just went away, but I, I was concerned about it, that, you know, this thing was not going away. But what you're saying makes absolute uh, sense and exactly what, what I went through. 708 area code asks, please ask Dr. Most, about shots people are giving themselves to burn belly fat. Have you heard of that? I have not. Um, and I would bet that it's not FDA approved. So I really would. Uh, yeah. I need to know more. But I, I, I will definitely look into that. I can touch base with you next week and let you know on that one. But um, I certainly have not heard about it. A lot of things are being used for belly fat, but I can tell you one of probably the most important thing is going to be exercise to get rid of that yeah really there there's uh no replacement there's no quick fix for anything like that 312 area code says uh dr most have you seen the netflix documentary called what the health it turned me vegan after i watched it and i i remember when this came out it was a while ago i mean it's a, a documentary about uh, you know, eating meat, you know, being other, something other than vegan. I don't know if you're familiar with the documentary, but, you know, how do you how do you fall on uh, eating meat versus going vegan? Yeah, you know, it has that documentary has got a lot of play and really is eye opening to a lot of individuals. Um, I still eat meat. I try to minimize how much I eat. I think you'll see the study that came out just last week on freshwater fish is going to scare a lot of people away from eating freshwater fish as well, just because of the forever chemicals that are found in those. Um, and I really think that if you go back to a plant-based diet, you're going to do very well as long as you make sure you're eating the appropriate ones, right? So we get 
iron from the meat that we eat. So if you are uh, in a plant-based diet, make sure that you're getting a lot of vegetables that have iron in them to make sure that you can still make red blood cells. Um, you know, there's a lot of different nutrients that we need to make sure we have a balance if you're going to go from a normal, I shouldn't say normal, but uh, a traditional diet to a vegan-based diet. Yeah, it's not just a question of eating anything that once came from an animal. You have to make sure that you're providing your body with what it needs if you are going to go vegan. This is Lila. You're on WGN with Dr. Kevin Most. Oh, thank you, Dr. Moss. I am trying to help a friend. Um, my good friend has been suffering from um, COVID long haulers um, disease for the last two years uh, where he loses his appetite. He gets some kind of a sinus sort of infection, and then he cannot eat. He's uninsured. And this pattern has repeated many times and it has been two years he's down to about 132 pounds and the doctor said if he doesn't eat you know he's going to die Uh, my question is the doctors have not been able to treat him except to say that this is long haulers you know disease can this last that long and what can someone do um to get to go further to get for the treatment yeah let's get let's get dr most let's get dr most response because we're almost out of time here kevin yeah you know we're we're learning more and more about long COVID, obviously so certainly we don't have all the answers and long COVID is a wide spectrum of illnesses all the way from respiratory to mental health to dietary so your friend certainly um, there are a lot of long COVID clinics there's some at northwestern which a gi doctor would look at your uh, your friend here and really, it's going to be nutritional supplements. He's going to be eating, he's going to be forced to eat high nutrient or high caloric supplements in order to maintain his weight uh, for this. So he's going to be an individual that's going to be on a totally different diet. He will be taking the, you know, the gels that have high calories, you know, something to maintain his caloric intake and to increase his weight. So kind of unusual, right? A lot of people want to lose weight. Here's an individual that's going to have to change his diet to get his weight back up. And they do that even though they have lost their appetite. So we make sure that we give them highly concentrated foods while they still have any appetite at all. Yeah, okay. So thank you for the call. And uh, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us as always. We'll look forward to uh, talking to you next time. Dr. Kevin Most, uh, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great week, my friend. Thank you for joining us. You got it, Dean. Take care. We'll talk soon.